Former Transnet executives Brian Molefe and Anarj Singh were arrested and appeared in the Palm Ridge Specialised Crimes Court in Johannesburg on Monday. The pair, along with several other co-accused, were released on 50,000 rand bail in connection with state capture charges. The charges range from contravention of the Public Finance Management Act to fraud and corruption. Is this the turning point in holding those involved in state capture to account? I'm Catherine Rice, and you're listening to The Story, where we'll talk to journalists and experts about the biggest story of the week. We're joined by News24 senior investigative journalist Kyle Cowan, and later we'll be talking to CEO for the organization Undoing Tax Abuse, Wayne Duvenage. Kyle, thanks so much for your time. Kyle, can you tell us exactly what the charges are and what they relate to? So the charges are actually, you know, quite simple. It's corruption, money laundering and fraud, including a violation of what is called the Public Finance Management Act, which is effectively a, a, a regulatory control act that tells officials who work with public money how they're supposed to conduct themselves and how they are supposed to manage public money. So in this case, the allegation is very clear. The allegation against specifically the former CEO of Transnet, Brian Molefi, and the former chief financial officer, Mr. Nosh Singh, is that they failed to protect, you know, they failed to spend public money in such a way as to affect savings for the public purse. Now, this relates back to a, a procurement plan, a procurement program that Transnet had started way back in 2013 and 14. And it was one of the largest procurements of a state-owned company in South Africa's history. It's 54 billion rand. And Transnet was looking to purchase 1,064 locomotives. Now, as the listeners may not be aware, but some will know that Transnet operates obviously a, a rail business and they need these locomotives, for, you know, to pull massive amounts of freight around the country. The locomotives that South Africa had, that Transnet had, were getting very old and they needed to be replaced. Now, what the exact allegation is, is that a global consultancy company called McKinsey was hired as transaction advisors because when you go on a major procurement drive like this, not a lot of companies in the world actually have, you know, the the billions of rands, 54 billion rand just lying around in a bank account somewhere. They actually have to borrow that money. And what companies will often do is they will hire consultants or people, you know, who work with raising finance of this nature all the time. And they, they appointed McKinsey. McKinsey advised Transnet on the transaction for a little while. And then all of a sudden, these Gupta-linked entities known as Regiments and Trillion came on board. And effectively, Regiments took over the transaction advisory, and they were looking to raise $2.5 billion through the China Development Bank to fund you know, a section of, of the procurement. And then Regiments was advising Transnet and suddenly one of the regiment's directors, Eric Wood, went over and created another company called Trillion, and Trillion was then effectively double-dipping. They were invoicing Transnet for works that regiments and or McKinsey had already done. And this is the case that the NPA is now going to have to try and put before the court in a way that is understandable and the criminality is made very clear. Carl, you described Monday's court appearance as a seminal moment for South Africa. It feels like the wheels of justice, they are finally turning. But is the NPA confident they can win this case? I would say that the N NPA is confident. And the reason for that is, is that even though what I've just explained sounds very complicated, 
the actual offenses allegedly committed by everyone involved here are not super complicated to prove. There are documents showing their signatures. There is testimony before the Zonda Commission speaking to their actions. And, you know, so there's a clear paper trail here. Why I said that this is a seminal moment. Brian Malefi and Anosh Singh are the most senior government employees that were involved in state capture with the Gupta family to be charged to date. This is very important. Effectively, what is happening now is that the NPA, and especially the investigating directorate, is finally fulfilling its promise. They promised to take on these state capture cases. They promised to prosecute the corruption linked to that. And they promised to do it in a way that would not appear partisan or not appear as if they were being intimidated by anyone. And the arrest of Brian Mulefi and Anosh Singh doesn't mean that, you know, the NPA is done with all the work that it needs to do. But it means that they are finally, they've, there's, there's a sort of veil that they have pierced. In taking the step, they have shown other people who are involved, senior ANC leaders, that they will come for them eventually. And it has created a, a very firm footing for the NPA to stand on and say, we are doing our job, just give us enough time to get it all figured out. And they have actually indicated that more arrests will follow. Can you give us any detail on that? Yes. So you, you must remember, Catherine, that what happened at Transnet didn't happen in a little bubble. Brian Malefi and Anoj Singh, while they were you know, two of the most senior executives at the company at the time, they did not act alone and they did not you know, think of all of these schemes on their own. So they were actually arrested together with two of the directors of Regiment's Capital, Lita Nyonya and Niven Pillay. Now, Eric Wood, who I mentioned earlier, who effectively, you know, defected from um, Regiment's to start Trillion, he was also arrested back in May, along with another former CEO, Mr. Siabonga Gama, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Ramasabudi, who was the, the, the treasurer of Transnet, as well as... Uh, you know, one or two other individuals whose, whose name just escaped me right now. But they, they were arrested way back in May. And the case against Malefi and company have now been joined to that case. And the understanding is, is that there are another five or six individuals, Transnet employees mostly, and some people who worked in the private sector at the time that were somehow involved in the transaction that will be brought into this case as it continues. Why the NPA have decided to stagger the arrests in this manner I really do not know. And, you know, it's something that we, we should definitely ask them to try and explain to us. Because in court, it did emerge that Mr. Singh and Mr. Malefi were aware from at least September uh, 2020, I believe, that they were persons of interest in this particular investigation. And they had actually offered to hand themselves over to the police or then already. Carl, when will this case be back in court? It's back in court on the 14th of October. But I must just add the caveat that if anyone is expecting this case to, you know, be over quite quickly, it's not. Even though the alleged offenses are quite simple in terms of, you know, in legal terms to try and prove whether there was wrongdoing in terms of the amount of witnesses needed and the documents needed, this is going to be an extremely long process. And it's more complicated than it already was by the fact that there are so many individuals who are now appearing as accused in this case. 
Well, exactly. It is such a complicated case. And as we've seen in the trial of former President Zuma, there's the Stalingrad approach, uh, endless postponements and sort of no end in sight. Uh, do you predict that Malefe and Singh will soon be indicted in connection with other allegations of corruption? That's a difficult question to answer because the NPA has limited resources. The police have limited resources. The courts have extremely limited resources. I would think that a smart strategy now would be to pursue this one case against these individuals and wait with the rest. There are many matters that Mr. Singh and Mr. Malefi specifically, you know, and and I'm thinking about ESCOM cases, could be charged with. But the reality is is that the NPA doesn't have enough hands to, you know, run multiple cases all at the same time of such a high, you know, high profile and, you know, complex sort of nature. So my thinking would be they would allow this case to run its course while they focus on other individuals linked to other instances of state capture corruption that maybe need a little bit more priority and certainly a little bit more political will behind them. Well, certainly the investigations team will be keeping a close eye on that story and the others. Uh, thank you so much for your time. That was Kyle Cowan, Senior Investigative Journalist for News24. We're now joined by Outer CEO Wayne Duvenage. Wayne, thank you for your time. Outer has assisted the investigation that has resulted in the arrest of Brian Molefe and Anaj Singh. Can you tell us about how exactly you became involved? Yes. You know, we've uh, got a, a investigations department, uh, a project management department, um, and when we got hold of the uh, Gupta leaks, we developed uh, with the IT company a, a very efficient uh, search engine that enabled us to to search the entire Gupta leaks from even the PDF file through search words, whatever you put in it, would pull out the PDF file, strips them out into HTML format. Uh, and, and it was very effective in gaining a lot of information. And with that, our, our project manager on, on, on state capture, Rudy Heineker, was very, very instrumental in compiling a lot of the web and the network of what happened, uh, the money flows, um, the various links and the emails, timing of some of these mails and the decisions that or the activities that happened in government after that, uh, and painted a very, very uh, good, strong picture. And then we... Uh, approached the uh, NPA and said, look, we have this information. If you're looking for it, if you need it, if you need help, whatever it is, abuse us, use us. We're not here to charge. We're not here to make money. We're a non-profit entity. We just want to help. We've got a wealth of information. And slowly but surely, they, in their engagements with us, they, they, they realized and saw the power of the information and that we could help them with. And in that way, uh, Rudy was uh, um, asked to give assistance to their investigators, and we've been doing so for the for the last two years, two and a half years now. And uh, a lot of that information flows into the compilation of, of their uh, dockets and their charges that uh, have now been laid. How did you feel seeing these people in the dock at long last? Absolutely elated. Uh, you know, these are the faces and the names that adorned our headlines for, for the last number of years. Uh, smirking and smiling and, and and acting as if they were invincible and never, you know, will they be held accountable. Uh, obvious with all the investigative journalism and, and must say journalism has been brilliant with the free journalism and the laws we have here. 
and investigators' expertise that is applied. So, so we would couple with what was being revealed out there, with, with now compiling our cases. You know, we compiled that whole document called No Room to Hide, which we gave to Parliament shortly before uh, Jacob Zuma's you know, last attempt to remove him, vote of no conflict in August 2017. And in there is all of the, 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 this corruption and this wrongdoing that was taking place. So it's, it's, it's extremely uplifting to see uh, the likes of Brian Malefe and Anosh Singh uh, in the dock and others, Aitsmagashula, the list goes on. We know there's a lot more. We know this has taken a long time, but we were always sure that in that, that the rule of law will flow because people in power today aren't always in power tomorrow and that we need to just keep compiling the cases and the evidence and information. Do you think that the MPA has the necessary resources to win this case and how long do you think it will take? Yeah, we think they do. I think uh, what we have gathered, and that's why it has been a bit slow, is the methodology of compiling these cases. Um, it's, it's very important that they don't overcomplicate it and that they don't make it too wide. So what we got a sense of was that they wanted to bring all the people into the net at the same time. Whereas if you break the cases up, uh, if you if you charge uh, Brian Mulefe on his involvement separately to the others, uh, or co-join them but make sure that it doesn't get too complex. Because what happens is they just slow the process down. Each one brings an interlocutory challenge. We know the Stalingrad tactics. And, uh, and they bring these top lawyers uh, paid for with our money. Uh, uh, so the, the methodology, I think they're getting it right now. They're, you know, you don't have to have uh, 15 cases of fraud. You need one to, to, to have somebody found guilty. Obviously, the more you have, the more concrete the evidence and everything is, the better. And I think that's where they are. They're only laying these charges now on the basis of concrete evidence, good uh, understanding of, of, of how the uh, modus operandi worked to be able to prove that in court. And uh, it, 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 the length of this is, is going to be uh, solely determined now by um, the amount of filibustering and, and uh, Stalingrad tactics that the, that the uh, accused bring, which they will bring. They're very notorious. They're schooled by the uh, uh, Zuma crowd on that uh, and their lawyers. And secondly, um, how quick the courts are able to hear these cases. Uh, we believe the evidence is strong and, and it shouldn't take long, but for some reason in this country, court action gee, just drags on. It does take too long. Well, certainly the wheels of justice are slow in this country, but at least we are seeing some action. Thank yes. you so much for your time. That was Arta CEO Wayne Duvenage. That's all we have time for this week. I'm Catherine Rice. Join us again next week for The Story.